go. What is up? We're back with our third episode of Crypto Casuals. And so far, so good. People are loving the show. Uh, and though we know it's going to be organic growth, you know, we ask for one thing. We're never going to run ads on this program. We started this program because we're traditional sports card collectors. We discovered NFTs. We discovered crypto in the last 12 months or so. And we want to share the experiences that we're going through with you guys and gals on the other end. So we're never going to charge you guys for this content. All we say is if we're doing a good job, share. If we're not, don't share. And leave us comments and ideas and things that you want to hear more from us. This week, uh, we're going to talk about Ethereum and Bitcoin. What's happening in that world, right? Because it's crypto casual. It's not just an NFT show. Then we're going to go talk about NBA Top Shot, specifically Dapper Labs licensing with, NF with NFL which I am uh, pretty bullish on. I think they have a lot of opportunity there. We'll talk about VFriends, and then we'll kind of cap it off with just a little bit of what we're thinking of with our uh, Lucas Tigers NFT. So without further ado, we'll try to keep this to 30, 35 minutes, guys. Thank you for all the support. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. We're going to be constantly improving, and we are a community-driven organization. So if there are things that you want to hear, if, you things that we, if there are things that you disagree with, let us know. We love to hear from you guys. Cage, I'm an admirer Ooh. of your shirt. You're looking good. You're looking spiffy. Like my shirt? Gotta, yeah, I do like your shirt. Uh, it's uh, it's stylish. Why Tell do you me, like you, it? What? I mean, it, it's got more than one color on it. Usually your your, your shirts are mo monotone. I was going to put the shirt, I was going to take the shirt out at towards the end. I didn't want to like, you know, interrupt the whole deal. You know, we talk about different NFTs here, but I, I was going to, I was going to bring the shirt up myself after you did your whole Ethereum and Bitcoin uh, analysis, but I can jump right in. So, you know, this shirt is a cool thing that that happens with NFTs and NFT communities. It, it, I um, I happen to mint twenty of a certain NFT. I don't know about a month ago. You know, when it when it was you know right right before it sold out, um, and because I had minted a bunch and didn't sell any and held on to them, the developers and the, you know, the team behind it reached out to me on the discord and was like, Hey, we need your address. And I'm like, all right. So this is, this tie dye shirt is from the tie dye ninjas NFT. Is that right? See that a little tie dye ninja. They got the cool like butterfly with a samurai sword on the back. I don't know. I don't know if you could see it. You see, you see a little, little look at that. Look at that yoga. You got a little, got a little flexibility cool, to you cage little, little stuff right there. So I actually have that butterfly. You know, they sent me because I own so many. It was like an airdrop, a little like Genesis butterfly. It was a cool little thing. God, were you were you worried to give out your address? P.O. Box, my friend. P.O. Box. P.O. So, Box. So but no, I wouldn't be worried anyway. I mean, what, a bunch of tie-dyed ninjas going to come to my house? <laughs> that would be interesting. No, but it's a cool thing, man, because it's, it's – Listen, it's 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 an extension of it. it. It's funny because an old man like me, when you get the digital, it's cool to have some sort of a tangible thing that's connected to the digital, you know. And we get, you got a NYC NFT NYC coming up, you know, in a week and a half or so. And I could see myself walking around the city wearing the old tie dye ninja shirt. Why not? I mean, it's not my project per se, but you know, yeah, that's a cool one right there. Shadowy coder throws one up, a little tie dye ninja. It wasn't even something we were gonna talk about, but you know, free shirt's a free shirt. Plus, it's pretty so, cool, like you said. So before I'll get into uh, ETH, Bitcoin, and what I think will happen with them, you know, in the next three, six months, and what I've saw some trends and patterns, Cage, NFC, NF, uh, NYC, NFT, mm -hmm. what is that? So it's a, you know, like, like, like Comic-Con, you know, a convention for, for folks coming in, to, uh, you know, to, to do, uh, to, to talk NFTs. 
and it's I think it's completely sold out. Like you know, there's speakers and the whole nine yards, and I know there's 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 after parties and events afterwards and stuff. But yeah, it's it's like it it is it is a a full fledged um, you know convention for just NFTs. Pretty cool. So we're out of the basement. We're out of the basement. Let's talk a little bit about Bitcoin and ETH. Yeah, Bitcoin and ETH. Yeah, hundred percent. Although I like that. Oh, I was gonna say that means he's got to take the ninja down. Cool Discord, by the way. Even if you don't buy any, that was that's one of the coolest vibes. They got like music in there and stuff. You know, people. Everybody's happy. Nobody really talks about the floor price or anything like that. It's just it's it's um it's about you'd like it, man. It's like mental health and well being. You know, like unplug from the computer for a little while. Go out and take a walk. Go. Go hang out in nature. It's got a real cool vibe to it. So n- not exactly my thing, but I need to mix a little bit of that in, you know. So that was why I like that project. So, but anyway. You say it's not but your thing, the- but, but I've seen the evolution of Cage and I- I'm really excited for, you know, I'm bullish on ETH. I'm even more bullish on Bitcoin, but I'm the most bullish on you. Woo! Me too. Me too. So, I'm a bull. I'm a believer. I'm a citizen <laughs> of Believer Island. So, so let me backtrack. So January of this year, Cage and I had this discussion, if you want to call it that, with Bro Namath on our other show, Lucas Tiger's Bronze, where I was trying to get Cage to, or I was trying to explain to Cage the what Bitcoin is, you know, how does it work, uh, and things like that. And, and I said, I famously said, I believe that in today's day and age, the safest investment is Bitcoin, right? And I got a lot of backlash. A lot of people question, you know, how could you say that? How can it be safe? How can it have swings of volatility and things like that? I want to let you guys know, and and this is not just my research. You know, I, I do my research by two things. I look at uh, adoption, network effect, demand. I, I basically try to solve for demand. Uh, and I heard this on the Rao Paul, and I believe it was also on the Bankless show. And in 98-99, Cage, the internet was growing at a rate of 63% year over year. Okay? Right? So, so you, you grew up during that time. You remember yeah. that. A lot of people are calling the internet a fad, right? Yeah. Well, why? Yes. Why would I buy products online? You're just going to get ripped off. I could just go to the store. Yeah. Security was an issue, a big issue, right? Security was a very big issue. You were, you know, you didn't want to give your identity out and you didn't want to give your financial information out. Um, There were also just, it was, so what's funny, you compare it to, you know, Bitcoin and and this, there were a lot, the security issue is still there. Obviously we hear about scams all the time. But what's funny is Bitcoin and Ethereum are kind of like the leaders right now. And back then, the people who were leaders didn't win. Like, I, I would find it hard. So so I I, I think true. the comparison you're trying to make it like altcoins and all the all the other types of coins that are out now from Chainlink to, you know, Cardano to Solana. I mean, just like all these all these coins. When you look on go, go on Coinbase, you see a whole list of them. Right. Yeah. Um, that does remind me of the Internet back then. And there were leaders. Like I, I remember, I was in college, and one of the leaders was was called Netscape. I've mentioned it to you every once in a while, and it's funny. I mentioned it to you a couple weeks ago, and I'm like, oh man, you know, that was like when I was in college, and you went on the internet. It was Netscape, and you're like, what the hell is that? That was like Google. That was like the search feature. You know, that was like how you got on the internet. And I happened to be watching a movie the other day with Denzel Washington and Angelina Jolie called The Bone Collector, where you know he, he they they're looking for a, you know a serial killer and a whole deal, and he's on a computer. And what do you think he's using? You know, it's, it's right around that same time. He's using Netscape. It says right on the top of the computer, Netscape. Now, now, Bitcoin, Ethereum are like the Netscape. Like, that, those were the huge, that was like a huge, but now it's gone. Like, it, it was completely taken over by something else. I'm sure there are people listening to this who think that, like, some of these altcoins might do that. 
you know, soul might flip ETH or some, you know, I see tweets about that, but it's really? like Bitcoin. Go ahead. Do you really see that? Like people believe that, you know, Solano is going to overtake ETH? Yeah. Or... yeah. So a tweet today, I mean, obviously it's one of those, like we make bold predictions in our sports podcast, you know, like bold prediction, uh, you know, um, Otani is not going to, he had 33 home runs at the All-Star break. He's not going to hit more than 15 in the second half, but bold predictions sometimes come true. But yeah, so somebody tweet today, you know, well-respected, you know, what happens when Sol gets to 10,000 before Ethereum does? It's not that they're bearish on Ethereum. It's that, you know, obviously they're more, they're being more bullish on, uh, on, on Solano. So, so let's talk, I, I, it's important, I think, to separate the two, right? Sure. Like we'll talk about ETH from a DeFi perspective. But first, I want to talk about Bitcoin, right? And if we go back to just 1971, uh, that was a big date in our big, big year in U.S. history. That was when we were taken off the gold standard, right? So there was a time period uh, from when the Federal Reserve was created, 1971, where any time the U.S. dollars were created, they were backed by gold. So literally, somebody who owned U.S. dollars can, in theory, go to the Federal Reserve, uh, Fort Knox, and exchange that for gold. Did you know that, Cage? No. No idea. So, so, and know? then what happened was, and it's really What happens if I do that now? Can I knock on the door in Fort Knox and say, let me in, I have a dollar, give me a dollar worth of gold? So, so you can't. I'm not totally going to do that. <laughs> so, so what they said was, in 1971, they said, we're taking it off the gold standard, and everybody had to turn in their gold. And it was just such an interesting date, because what is money, right? It, it, it asks us the question, you know, what is money? And a big component of money is trust, right? It's trust in the U.S. government. So why do I bring that up with Bitcoin? When the internet was created, Cage, we basically created a new nation, a new network of people, right? And what many have believed Bitcoin to be is a store of value, digital gold, right? And it stood the test in time. I know it's young. It's 13 years old, 12 years old, but it's been basically accepted as the store of value of as digital gold. And why I'm fascinated by this cage is Bitcoin is growing at a rate of 123% year over year. That means the adoption, the demand, the more and more people getting on that Netscape, as you, as you just described, more and more people getting on, more demand. But what's interesting about Bitcoin, and Ethereum doesn't have this, they have their own version of it. Do you know what it is? It's the fixed supply. It's that there will only be 21 million Bitcoin created ever in history. And I think a lot of people gloss over how important that is, but it's hugely important. So that's macro. Now let's go really short. In the last two, three months, we saw kind of a correction. Bitcoin dropped down to 26,000, 29,000. It's kind of hovered around there. You actually got fortunate enough to buy in literally at the bottom. How did you time the bottom? No idea. I was just Magic. watching, you know, watching Ethereum and watching Bitcoin and how they kind of travel together. And, you know, some days they travel you know, in tandem and some days they would, they would, um, you know, actually diverge. And, um, you know, while I was watching it, the days that they, um, that they diverged and Bitcoin was on the lower side, it usually signaled that Bitcoin was going to reverse either the next day, the day after or within that week. So when I saw, uh, both of them going down, but then the next day, Ethereum start moving up and Bitcoin was lagging it. That was when I picked the bottom at like 29,000 and bought two Bitcoin at the time. So one of the things that's interesting about Bitcoin and ETH is, you know, we see these volatile swings and we judge them by, you know, traditional metrics. You know, how can such a safe asset, you know, how can it drop 10% every over like almost a few minutes, right? 
you see these flash crashes. Yeah. And we're curious. We're, we're super curious. But but what's interesting about Bitcoin is you need to separate active supply versus passive supply, right? It's the, the supply that's on the exchanges versus much of Bitcoin is actually locked up in cold storage, non-accessible. And that amount is getting lower and lower and lower. So what we saw, in my opinion, the last three months is people who wanted to sell or take profits, so to speak, they have taken those profits in the last three months. And I project, I know it, it hit that 66,000, it set a new high. As we're recording this, it's at 60,000, let me see, 61,000, basically even. What I expect is in the next three to six months, it to break through record highs. The reason being is there's such a low supply on the exchanges right now. And who's selling? Everybody that wanted to sell in the last few months and take profits off the table, they did. They had the opportunity. It went down to 26. It went back up to 34. It retested 26. It retested 34. I mean, couldn't the people be selling be the people who bought in the last three months on the rise up from 29 up to 66? Yeah, but it's just such a small, minuscule amount of people at, that, at this stage. Well, people are day trading it now. Very few. Legit they they always day trade. They absolutely always day trade. But what I'm saying is that number is so small because those day traders or those either short sellers or those long-term holders, there's way more of them now. I mean, I guess, I mean, it has been in this range before and has dipped all the way back down to 30 and below after hitting 60 and change. Let me just say my one piece about this and you can sure. get into Ethereum. I told you that after they hit 66 and change it was going to come back down and see a big correction immediately now it may it may jump back up just like you're saying but but once it hit that 66 ish number and the and the and the 4200 number for eth i said it was a turnaround but not because of the numbers not because of the fundamentals one thing happened that i consider the death knell of short-term pricing and it's elon musk it's elon musk he put a little Instagram, you know, post about it was it was sixty nine hundred forty two hundred and sixty nine four twenty, it was and a, it was a picture of like Ethereum it was Bitcoin. Or shadowy yeah. coder with his shadowy girlfriend. Yeah, it was a shadowy coder with his shadowy girlfriend in bed looking at Ethereum Bitcoin. And I said to you, I said that's it, that's the death now. You should just sell now, short it because he did the same thing with Doge. Went on Saturday Night Live, it was at a tie, and then boosh. As soon as Elon opens his mouth, he has temporarily it might go a little hot, but a boom, it just drops right back down. So, you know, I was right. It has definitely corrected. It's like a ten percent down in a day since I told you that. So I don't think that that's a correction though. That's that's my 10%. issue. Ten percent. So, but but that's what's funny about it, right? So you don't think it's a correction, and part of that is because, and there are people listening to this who agree with you who have been in Bitcoin for more than a day. Right, who you've been dealing with Bitcoin for almost a decade. You know, you've been on the desk, you've been doing that stuff. A lot of people haven't, and you, it's difficult for those people to hear you say that Bitcoin is a quote safe investment, or even to take it a step further, the safest place to put your money. Which is what you actually said. You said it in like January. I mean, it was crazy. The safest place to put your money this year is Bitcoin, and then to watch the what I'm going to call wild swings of it, literally 10% swings on the daily, 10 up, 10 down, you know, 20% overall one direction day to day in 48 hours. I mean, just crazy stuff. Normally that's not something that happens with a safe investment, right? So, I mean, if you, if you want to, before you jump into Ethereum, before we jump into other stuff, I would love for you to tell those people, including myself, who, you know, are, are, are noobs to Bitcoin. I've made money on Bitcoin, but are noobs to Bitcoin. How can it be safe and still have those swings? 
Because you're looking at the percentages, but you're not understanding fundamentally how it works, right? Because there's such a small supply, you see what's what's if you can what's relatively seems like a wild swing, but in reality, when we see Bitcoin, you know, go up 100% over three months, you need that 10, 20% correction because volatility cuts both ways, right? Like but you it shouldn't look, go up 100%. Go, it shouldn't be going up 100% either. It should be going you know, up like, more because the adoption is so much greater. Think about how many people are adopting Bitcoin. There's Bitcoin ATMs in every single city. There's Bitcoin ATMs in Kentucky Fried Chicken now. That's adoption. That's demand. When the supply is not changing. So it will and it should go up that amount. And the 10% going down, it actually pales in comparison. Because if you weigh your risk reward, there's your 10 to 1 risk reward. Versus, yeah, Facebook stock or Apple stock, you know, the most it drops in a day is 3%. But the most it goes up is 3%. So what's a better investment? What's safer? Something that has a risk-reward ratio of 1 to 1 or something that has a risk-reward ratio of 10 to 1? I prefer the 10 to 1. But that doesn't make it safer. That's the very point of it. You know, something that can only go up 3% or three or down 3% is safer. I mean, I guess it, 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 it depends on what you consider safe. I think exactly. the, what you're reading into safe is that you think over time, while there will be 10% swings, while the swings will be greater the upside swings will always outweigh the downside correct. swings on Bitcoin for the short term because it's correcting up to where you think the value should be short because of adoption, because of limited yep. supply, you name it. So I get that. I mean, I think, I think it, it's definitely something people will have to get comfortable with. Correct. Um, and, you know, and part and, of it was, Cage, the fact that I did, that I've been watching this Bitcoin chart since 2013 and seeing it go from 200 to 180 to 260, like watching its progression you get used to these traditionally wild swings. Let's move to ETH. Sure. ETH was one I told you I liked ETH better. Yeah. And why? the reason why the use case was that I people aren't using Bitcoin for the next thing in Web3. People aren't using Bitcoin for the next thing in, you know, in, in well, NFTs is a perfect example. I mean, once, once people started jumping into NFTs, I said, you know, everybody's using ETH for NFTs, right? And everybody's using it. My being mined, you know, the gas fees are out of out of control. And the best part was why I said ETH was was the interesting play was you don't have to pick the right NFT. You know there will be the, a right NFT, right. and people will be buying and selling it with ETH, right? Whether you have the right one or the wrong one, you know, if you're on OpenSea, you're you're not buying it with bitcoin you know most likely you're buying it with ethereum and there are other you know there are other you know coins being used but you know ethereum is the, the biggest one so i'd actually say uh, so i'm not going to talk about flipping if you guys out there in the comments let me know what you think because i heard this concept but i don't want to talk about something i don't know it's the market cap of ethereum many intelligent people predict that it will actually be higher than bitcoin in just a few years partially is because cage as you mentioned ETH has unlimited supply, even though there's a lot of ETH being burned, while Bitcoin has a uh, fixed supply. But with ETH, what's interesting is there's only 10% right now, Cage, and that number is dwindling, available supply, right? Because with yep. ETH 2.0 coming out, a lot of people have locked ETH away either in cold storage, in NFTs, in DeFi, or in uh, yield farming, right? They put the, yep. they put their ETH, ETH away, they get paid 5 6% on that money, and they're holding it there until uh, ETH 2.0 comes out. So I'm extremely bullish on ETH. And, and guys, I, I predict ETH is going to be 
close to near 10,000 in the next 12 months. Why? It's it's the same concept. It's uh it's an insatiable demand for digital art, digital collectibles. That's a small portion of it. Decentralized finance, which is fascinating because uh a lot of these big banks are championing ETH, where really ETH is a competitor, JP Morgan, uh JP Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, you know. That new generation, they are more and more educated and more passionate about the benefits of decentralized finance versus going the traditional route and the adoptions through the roof. It's really that simple in my opinion. I love it. So listen, let me ask something before we get into the specific projects and you know, I don't want to take this too, too long, but I want, I'm going to say a sentence to you and tell me what you think about it. Right. And then we'll roll into whichever NFT projects you want to talk about. You ready? One ETH equals one ETH. You ever heard that? Yeah, like you like denominating not in US dollars, but denominating in ETH. A lot of people do that now, right? Because that's such a great thank you for leading me to water. I'm like a fish and you just like get me there. Um, it's easy to make investments right now that win relative to the US dollar. We know that because we know the US dollar is being printed at scale. But really, we should denominate investments in ETH. And what that means is, is the place I'm going to put my money going to outperform the price of ETH short term or long term. And that goes into something simple. Like I was talking to a friend yesterday. He wanted to buy a house, right? And his house could go from 400000 to 500000 And traditionally, Cage, that seems like such a good investment. But I'm curious if you denominated that same investment in ETH. You know, fascinating. Thank you for bringing that up. Well, listen, for NFTs, I guess the fun part about it is one ETH equals one ETH is an important concept for people who are buying NFTs because what it means is people will not in their brains convert to fiat, right? It means an ETH is an ETH. One ETH is worth one ETH today, tomorrow, next year, no matter what the, the movement and the swings in that ETH price is, whether it's 3000 4000 you name it. And while there are a lot of people who say that, a lot of people who believe it, I believe that the recent activity in the NFT space shows that the people who have gotten into it this year, the people who are spending their money, the people who are you know, trading NFTs are still not completely bought into the concept of one ETH is one ETH. They still are valuing their NFTs in fiat. And here's why. When Ethereum goes up, NFT prices go down. And it shouldn't, right? Because if one ETH is one ETH, then the board eight floor should stay at 38 ETH, right? That one with the eye popping out that nobody really wants, you know, the one that's gonna be on the floor, that, that should stay 38, right? But when Ethereum goes from 3,000 to 4,000 and people want to get out and get in and try to catch that run on Ethereum, right? They want to cash out and get that Ethereum. Or what happens is the price of the NFTs actually comes down. And that board eight floor, which was at 38 before this most recent run up, you saw that floor actually drop below 30. It's higher than 30 now, though. And why do you think that is, right? It's because Ethereum has taken a, a step back and all of a sudden you see the floor go up. So, so while, while, you know, folks in the space want to say one ETH equals one ETH, and that is worth the same, what it is now today, you name it, because that's the currency, it's still obviously being equated to the fiat. It's still being equated to the U.S. dollar currency, what it's worth, because you'll notice what winds up happening is that when Ethereum's at 3,000, the board eight floor is 120,000, because it's almost 40. 
It's 120,000 in fiat. And then all of a sudden, what happens when Ethereum goes to 4,000, the board ape floor goes to 30, which is the same $120,000 floor in U.S. dollars in fiat currency. So that's the thing I think that's going to have to change. You know, people have to get that one ETH as one ETH before what you're talking about actually kicks in, that $10,000 ETH, that real value on ETH. Um, and it's, an, it's, it's a fun interplay. It's fun to watch that, right? And right. I mean, I watched the blue chips. Same exact thing happened with Cool Cats. I mean, I really wish I would have jumped in. I mean, cool Cats, there was a big celebration a couple weeks ago. They jumped above 10 floor, 10 ETH floor. Um, then they were back at nine. You know, they actually fell to like 6.8 as ETH went up. I think they're back above nine again. So we actually, I mean, we got our first question from our audience member. Uh, it was a new channel and people are starting to leave comments on YouTube. So please leave a comment. Please hit that subscribe button. Smash that button. Shadowy Coder, you know, we apologize. 25 minutes in. Um, we want to give you the floor. We know you mostly dabble in NFTs, but I, I believe you know crypto pretty well. Do you have, before we jump into VFriends, because there was a comment from someone about it. Do you have anything to add, question, um, suggest about ETH and BTC? Yeah, I noticed there was this, uh, when I first heard the word flippening, I went to look for it. And so I found this little website that I want to share real quick. Uh, you can go find it on blockchaincenter.net. Center.net. Oh, look at there this. We go. So how do we coder learn how to share a screen? <laughs> yeah, it's like a second. All right, so the flipping market cap, this is what we were just talking about earlier. It looks like we're at 42% right now. And this is the tracking it over time compared to, to Bitcoin. So this is an interesting little website to have to watch um, that I just want to offer as a resource to people. It looks like the transactions are way up. It's about 500% on Ethereum rather than over Bitcoin. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and we only have about 56% of addresses on the Ethereum blockchain as compared to the Bitcoin. So we're getting there. Um, but the other thing that I don't quite know enough about yet that I'm interested in is the only trend on this whole page that's going in the opposite direction that suggests not a flipping is happening is this one. This trend is headed down, especially in the last couple of months. It's the node count flipping. So it's the number of public reachable nodes. Um, so I'm not entirely sure about what that is, but it sounds like um, I don't know. It sounds like miners on the network, um, but I'm going to have to go do some more research. If, if miners are falling off this network lately, then that's an interesting take interesting. Uh, that I'm going to have to look more into. So tell me if I'm right in this just like snap uh, judgment. We've seen in the last week, and this is a good transition to NFTs, gas prices have been out of control. It seems like the miners and there's more miners in Bitcoin in respect to how many miners there are on the Ethereum network. Is that what that suggests? That's my take on it, too. Uh, if that's not right, we can update it again next week for sure. Post it in the comments as well. But that's my take about what these nodes are. And it's definitely looking like a drop that's off. That's a great transition because that's our biggest concern. So, I mean, if we get into NFTs, right, we have the blue chips, which are eight, nine ETH or up there. But the smaller NFTs, they were taking a massive pounding this week because, uh, I mean, you can't buy, you can't list. You're kind of, I mean, you're, you're getting squeezed from all angles, right, Cage? Any yeah. thoughts about that before we get into uh, VFriends or um, Dapper Labs, their NFT, NFL deal? Yeah, I mean, listen, there are certain NFTs that, that are getting killed by gas prices. There's no other way of saying it. Um, 
you know, one of my favorites, and I own a lot of these, Drop Bears. You know, it's a koala bear one, an Australian one. They do a lot of great stuff for, like, you know, preserving koala bears and, you know, wildlife um, in Australia. Really cool art in the whole nine yards. Um, you know, they've been sitting around a floor of, like, you know, 0.02. So real inexpensive. You know, it's at, like, you know, less than $200, you know. And um, the problem is, I mean, I listed one for sale the other day. Um, you know, just had it up for sale. You know, I'm like, all right, we'll put it up for like 0.025. You know, not the floor per se, but I'll, I'll listen more for sale. We'll see what happens. You know, one of the lower rarity ones. And um, I sold it, and the gas was actually more <laughs> than the thing sold for. I wound up losing money because I guess it sold late at night, and the gas was so. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? The fees, the transaction fees, are so much. I was like, what is the deal here? And forget about it if you try to take an offer. I mean, if you try to take an offer and you're paying the fees, the gas fees, you're doing all that stuff, it, I mean, you wind up you wind up getting killed. You wind up, you know, I, I, I had one where I was like, oh, well, that's, that's a decent offer. Let me take an offer on that one, you know, uh, a wrapped Ethereum offer. Let me, let me take an offer on that. I look at how much that was going to charge. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You might as well just keep all these things, which that's the point you're trying to make, right? There are a lot of people who, who in the past couple of months have minted things for 0.03, 0.04, 0.05 even, and they haven't flown. They haven't become the next big mechaverse, right? They are just stale. They're where they are. And ultimately, um, the floor on those drops, not because there's a problem with it, but because people try to sell and they really can't because the gas price matches. You know, it's $100 in gas is not that big of a deal when you're talking about a V-friend. Right, percentage-wise, it's nothing. You know, it's a sprinkle on top of the Sunday. But when the whole NFT sells for 150 bucks and gas is 150 bucks, you're doubling the price. That's silly. But you know, who pay, who pays for that gas when you when you when you accept an offer directly instead of accepting an offer? Okay, when, go for when it. You accept, an when you when you accept an offer, you're paying the fees. You pay. Exactly. Yeah. Who 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 pays the gas when you uh, when you just list it and in the middle of the night while you're asleep it gets sold? So, gas fees. so there's transaction fees that you have to pay, depending upon what the royalties are and the whole nine yards for the stuff that, that are there. But when you yeah, when you when you sell it, the the person buying it's supposed to pay their gas fees. You're paying the transaction fees and stuff like that. But I'm talking about like, you know, the, the weth offers and all that other craziness. That you pay the gas on that. You pay yeah. it. Don't kill you. That's why it's funny you see sometimes people selling an NFT for I don't know, point two. Right, it's listed yep. at point two. People can go in and buy it, but you see offers for it for point two one. Point, yeah, higher. Right? They higher. always try and get the offer in there. They'll give you a little bit of extra money if you'll take them. Yeah, because they'll actually save money on on the the fees because this totally. the person who accepts the offer is, is maybe they don't realize it. Who the heck knows? But yeah, now kind of, now that it's been what we're four or five months into V friend land, what's your take on it, Cage? It's not immune. You know, the floor also during this, I don't know what it's at now, but the floor also was definitely back down into single digits. Um, so it's not immune from the, the swings, especially when Ethereum price goes up. Um, I mean, Shadow Recorder might be able to tell me what the floor is at. If I had to guess, probably 11 or 12. Uh, I mean, I saw a troll around 9, you know, during the, during the you know, the, the, the dippening, since we're using funny words, I'm going to call it the dippening of NFTs this past week. You know, this week there was definitely a run on it, and you could see, it's funny, like I wonder if Ethereum keeps going up, if NFT prices in Ethereum would keep going down. I wonder if it wasn't the good thing that Ethereum stopped going up for a minute for the prices of NFTs to stabilize and the the mad dash to the door stop. 
because no one was immune to it, man. You know, bored apes back down into the 20s. It's, it's interesting to see that. And not only were you seeing that because of the fiat, but you were seeing people who had bought them at 41 or 42 selling at 29. That person's losing money. I don't care that Ethereum went up. That person's losing money. Um, same thing with VFriends. And, Why and would you even, think someone would sell? Because people get nervous, right? People get nervous where they bought in at a high and they're like, oh man, this is it. They read stuff on Twitter about how this is an NFT winter and how they can't get out and there's very little liquidity. Even when you're at the floor, all it takes is one, two, or three people yep. to undercut. You saw it in Top Shot. You see it on everything, right? You, know, you see it in cards else. too sometimes, right? You see it in cards, right? People, people are, card, are card, like they're card millionaires, but nobody has money at the show to actually buy. Things get yeah. really interesting. It's so, I mean, you see that, that stuff. And um, so, Shadowy Coder, what's VFriend's floor at now? Like 11, 12, something like that? VFriend's floor is at 10. I'll show 10? you right now. So even 10. So, so, here's why I would be a little concerned about VFriend's, right? The community doesn't have what a lot of these other communities do, like the Lazy Lions and, the, you know, the Bored Apes. And, you know, it's cool. It's got Gary. But if, if Gary's not there, so what is it at? It's at like 10? Yeah, a little, 10 a little above 10. What I want you guys to look at is what that floor was at when the Christie's auction happened for him, right? That floor, was close, to, yeah, that floor was close to 20. You couldn't buy like that blobby blowfish that nobody wants was the only one you were really able to get under 20, yep. right? So when the Christie's auction happened and there was all this puffery and Gary was out there talking about V-Friends and you name it, it was a wonderful thing. The floor has gone down. And and listen, Gary's not dumb. If you look at his Twitter, you see that he's out there, you know, he's out there, uh, you know, drawing other things. He's drawing on his coffee cups. You know, he's he's he's, he's now, you know, the, the, his account has VFriends posted. Today's a chill. Shadowy Coder, just so you know, October 1st was right around when the Christie's auction was. Yeah, you see the spike, man. You see, the, you know, so so it was like right 20. I know because I was looking at right it. Right before that, bro. So you see that? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so look, I mean, what's the floor say there? Almost. Actually, right? that's, an interesting, that's an interesting point, Cage, because we've seen that before. It's if the auction ends on October first or right around there, it's actually the few for the days right before that where yeah, the leading up, yeah, and, and then it sells off. Yeah, buy the rumor, sell the news. The, you it's know, huge. No it's a really right? big deal. So yeah, so I mean, listen, this stuff goes as he goes, and I do believe in you know you bet on the jockey and not the horse. Um, and he's about as good of a jockey as you can get in any space. Um, so, you know, I'd be confident in, in, in the investment there. It's just, um, you know, you can see what happens, right? I mean, if he continues to infuse, you know, activity and attention the way he did with the Christie's auction and whatever else he's going to continue to do now, I'm sure it'll be fine. What do you guys think about VFriends? We've been talking about this with Shadowy Coder. We believe that when it comes to like projects in the NFT land, the projects where you have a successful businessman already established and they're creating an NFT are an easy way for us to filter and give us a little bit more peace of mind than picking picking out a winning project out of the PFP anonymous land, right? Like you, you could add to that shadowy coder, but it's so hard to filter to know which one's going to be a winner. At least betting on somebody who's won before is, is a helpful way to... To filter out, like we invested in Tom Bilyeu's, um impact theory, one with the same concept. Yeah, that's totally right. That's that's the mindset that I'm approaching these things with now. After getting a little bit tired of the, 
regular PFP NFTs, but yeah, it's the same thing. This is the full uh, lifespan of the V friends so far, and you can see like a pretty healthy growth through the whole time. At the end right here, we're at about 15, 15 ETH for average price. Um, and interestingly, you can also see all this volatility, which is the same thing you're seeing if you own ETH directly, you know, or if you own Bitcoin directly, but it's generally trending up with lots of volatility. Um, but back to your question, it's definitely more powerful, more... Uh, it, it's more security, no? It's more peace of mind that this guy's won or this gal's won in the past in business. And, you know, reg regardless of the obstacles that happen, ETH price goes down half, you know, because after people forget when Gary first launched his V friends, ETH re uh, reached record highs. That was right when ETH hit 4,400. So people that were right, many of Gary's buyers of his V friend also were first time ETH buyers. So they bought at the top and they had to weather a storm of 4,400 down to 2,600, 2,000. 1,800 it got down to. It 1800. got down to 1,800. Yep, it got down to 1,800. The, the but they were the, buying in most of them. The flow was a half an ETH. So, you know, if they're back up to, you know, 90% of what they bought in at ETH at, um, you know, they're all, they're all doing okay. They're all, they're all doing it's okay. It's definitely been a successful project, you know. I, I will say the one thing I do love with PFP projects or art projects is, uh, and I kind of, you know, looking at every, you want to talk a little bit about Lucas Tigers because, again, it, jockey, not the horse. Like, this is going to be a long-term project that we're really excited about. Uh, people already see how hard we're working to develop a network uh, of content that's free where we get to position ourselves as not thought leaders in the space, but we're in the space. We're in the thick of things. But I love the NFT projects that kind of drip the releases, right? Instead of going 10,000 at once saying, you know, I'm going to release three NFTs on Friday. I think that's going to be the new wave. I think if I was a creator right now, I would release my NFT that way. Definitely. 100%. I like this. I like, I like, you know, Lucas Tigers is a fun one because it's just, it's different. Um, you know, people will eventually get tired of putting their money into an anonymous thing, not knowing who's behind it, not knowing what they're doing. And it's just a, a hope and a prayer that that PFP is going to be something that, you know, they can flip for more money or the people are going to be there. Um, where, I mean, we, the Lucas Tigers, it's only sold three, four percent of the of the of the population of it, but it's almost all unique holders. It's yep. all people who believe in you know the you know the the vision there, and you know if you want to look percent wise, there's probably less of a percentage available in the secondary market than any other any other NFT ever. You know what I mean? Nobody's <laughs> selling the damn thing. So um, I'm excited to have this platform because we've been getting a lot of questions. You know, like. Hey, you know, Bored Abe just sold for 175 ETH. Can't wait till my Luca Tiger NFT is that much too. And one, I appreciate the sentiment. I appreciate the support and the positivity. But for me, with this project so early on and so early on into our business and professional careers, I think it's more important to get the right people holding the NFT than it is to sell out of the NFT. Because you, like I, I coined this snowball effect theory last year, right? When it came to PSA and consistently growing. I think we will hit scale. I'm pretty confident that we will hit 10,000 subscribers on this channel. I know we're going to sell out. But in the beginning, I want to get the right people holding the NFT, right? Because 
what happens when you sell out of a project quickly? You have 80, 90% of the people holding it are just there for profit. Yep. And for us, it was really important. And this is how we build our network. We want people to believe in what we're doing, right? We want people to believe in the vision. Uh, we want to become the NFT sports card network of the world. And that takes a lot of time to build. And if we have to deal with these volatility swings and unhappy investors and people that, you know, you know, sure, it's great for the people bought in at, you know, 0.06 that sold out and now it's 5 ETH, but we have to deal with all that. That's not necessarily, in my opinion, uh, it doesn't show strength of a project. I think basing our project on fundamentals like YouTube growth, subscriber growth, sponsorships that will eventually come to the crypto casual space uh, and really building a business out of this. I think that will allow us to, yes, slowly ramp up. But then when it hits mass scale, kind of start to see that exponential curve. That's what I want to see. I want to see a hockey stick curve to our growth, not that old Eiffel Tower growth. Love it. Couldn't have said it better myself. Shadowy Coder. We didn't get the Dapper Labs. We're never going to get through all of the all of the agenda items. You're bullish on Dapper Labs, NFL. The only negative I'll say, because we're going to touch on it, is this. They came out with a fury and a thunderstorm of announcements when they announced the partnership tweets all over the place you name it and then in true dapper we're going to be in beta for the rest of our life form <laughs> we've heard nothing there's no tweets about it there's no message about it we're approaching week what week seven in the nfl and there's no date there's no announcement of when this is going to drop or when they're going to do it or when that partnership is going to result in nfts um you know when are they going to have the digital stuff out there um so the one negative I'd have on it is, you know, if Dapper is good at doing something, they're good at making these big announcements and then making everyone wait. I hope Series that three, we're still in beta. On yeah, Top I Shot. hope that they learn from their mistakes. And the biggest issue with Top Shot was how many, how much is in circulation. They have no demand issue. They have an incredibly difficult supply issue. And what you learn from that is once the supply is out of the bag, you, there's nothing you can do. You could always try to find more demand, but... How are you going to find 35,000 fans for LeBron's moment when he has 44 moments? And that's they the learned their lesson. For the I rookie debuts, they're keeping him at 4,000 in basketball. Remember, they did the 4,000 for like LaMelo and that stuff, so they're doing that again for the rookies. I think it's pretty smart. Shadowy Coder, you went off mute. Anything you want to add? You know, we did a lot of talking this, this, uh, this time around, but we want to give you the floor as well. Yeah, let's not talk about Dapper Labs yet because we could devote a good amount of time to that. To me, Dapper Labs is a good question on on uh, what kind of blockchain do you need? Does it need to be, you know, the centralized blockchain? Does it need to be this decentralized blockchain? And then the extension of that is, what do you keep on there? Do you keep the metadata on the decentralized blockchain? Do you keep it off? So that's a whole long conversation that we can continue, but we can start it another day too. Guys, guys, listening, let us know in the comments. You've bought uh, NFTs from OpenSea which is a decentralized nature on Ethereum. And you've probably bought NFTs on Panini or Dapper or a centralized location. What have been your you know, advantages, disadvantages? What have you liked? What have you disliked? Let us know in the comments and we'll address it next week. We'll be back with you guys. We have a really exciting guest coming up. It's uh, fingers crossed, we're gonna confirm, but I'm gonna put his name out there because he's a friend, someone I respect a lot, it's Zane. He, is, uh, he was a community manager and one of the OG founding members of vFriends. So he's going to join us next week. To, so get your questions in, put them in the comments.
Let us know what you want to know. Zane, the friends, he's now doing his own NFT. He's he went entrepreneurial. We're really excited to have him on the show. Love you guys. Love you, crypto casuals. Peace.